Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Brendan Escott in for Bob Stoffer today as Bob and the Oilers travel down to St. Louis. I'll take on Jake Neighbors and the Blues for a second time already this year. And I tee it up that way, of course, because we have uh, general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Kurt Hill, standing by here. Remind you, Royal Pizza is pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. For a menu and a list of their 15 Edmonton and area locations, go online to royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Escott recommendation? Keep it simple, man. Pepperoni all day long. All right, Edmonton Oil Kings off to a a tough start in a rebuilding year. Let's call it what it is. And for more information on that, we go to the general manager. It is Kurt Hill making a semi-regular appearance. Kurt, thanks for hopping on today. How are you doing? Yeah, good. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you. So uh, a big, tough stretch for you guys out of the gates sends you down to the U.S. division for six games in a row, I believe, or five anyway. Of course, you had the one in Prince Albert as well. Uh, but sitting at 1-9-1 and through 11 games, we knew it would be a rebuilding season. Kurt, maybe just take me through how the uh, the first stretch has gone for your group. I think it's again we uh, most games. You know, I think I've really liked the way that we've played early in games, and uh, at the end of the day, the kind of the second half of games haven't uh, haven't been very friendly to us. And uh, you know, I think that's a little bit about a, a younger group of guys just kind of learning how to you know play play in those moments, the big moments in the games when things get a little bit tighter. And uh, and more to that is just when you know you let a goal and just kind of making sure that you're you're following it up with good shifts and, and not letting the bleeding start a little bit, which we've allowed. In, uh, in a few of the games, but you know, uh, the work ethic's been been exceptional. You know, I think the guys are are really competing right now, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a bit of a learning year, and we got some important pieces out of the lineup. But in saying that, I've really liked uh, how some of our younger players have played here early in the year. How do you think the team is is coming together as a whole? I know that it can be a really galvanizing experience to be out on the road together and to have that early in the season. Uh, not a bad thing in terms of the weather and and getting that travel portion out of it. Uh, out of the way but what does it mean for you guys to have had that time to sort of gel together especially with so much turnover in the group well for sure i think everybody got to know each other a little bit more i think when the more you have younger players on your team i think there's more to it you know guys are are trying to get acclimatized to the new city and new school and um you know being away from home for the first time so you know i think there's a lot of that uh, that plays into it as well early in a season with just uh, you know those players having some distractions that way but um you know i i really like the attitude of our guys the positivity and like I said, the work ethic. And uh, at the end of the day, it's uh, we encourage guys to to make mistakes if they, you know, it's something that they're not being punished for right now. If they, uh, that's how they're going to grow in this league. And uh, you know, so it's uh, something where it's a bit of a learning process right now. But uh, I've liked the, the way we've been trending. Gavin Hodden, it's a name we've seen uh, come across the ticker a few times already. Five assists, yet to score this year, but five assists through 11 games as a 2006 born. I know he was a first round pick, so clearly you guys are expecting a lot out of him in the future, but are you maybe a little bit surprised or impressed by what he's been able to do so early in his WHL career? I think the the transition, you know, to the league is, has been real favorable for him. He, he had an opportunity to be here with our with our group last year on the run, which I think gave him a lot of experience. And 
you know, to say I'm surprised, you know, not not overly. It's just, you know, when we drafted Gavin, he's a smaller player, but, you know, his number one attribute is hockey sense, and he knows where guys are on the ice. He's got the ability to make um, a lot of pl- passes and a lot of plays that uh, um, a lot of players can't make. So that's what we saw a lot of in the draft, and, you know, I think that's why as a young player here, uh, he's had the ability to find some success with uh, setting some guys up for goals. Now it's uh, with him, it's uh, just him getting that ability to, to play really consistent on a back back-to-back basis, which uh, is something we're working on with them right now. Let's look at the leadership group that was named yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no surprise to see Logan Dalhaniuk in there, uh, Jackson Weeb as well. Uh, but four alternate captains rather than naming uh, a traditional captain. Is this something that the team voted on? How much say did the coaching staff have? What can you tell us about that? Yeah, I think every year is a little bit different and, you know, empowering more guys um, is important to us right now with uh, you know those voices in the locker room and obviously the four guys we gave the A's to are are guys that uh, you know we all want them taking an equal approach to the leadership role this season. Um, not to say that there won't be a captain at some point, but uh, you know right now it's it's a little bit about just empowering all four of those guys to make sure that they're they're helping the young guys out and taking um, an equal leadership role here early on. Logan Dauhaniak, Jackson Weeb, Ethan Peters, and then Rhett Melnick, who was acquired in the offseason. There's your four. Talk about what Dauhaniak means to a team that doesn't have a lot of other veterans and somebody who's been in the program now for going on five years. Well, it's, you know, he's obviously a very loyal player. He's been here for this is his fifth season and you know he's he's been through kind of the four really good years with our group and and now a lot of those guys that he was looking up to majority of them are gone and he's the guy that you know the young guys are looking up to now for a little little guidance and a little advice but you know with logan he's such a positive person and you know he's uh he's the guy that comes and directs the, our younger players right now in that locker room and you know he's playing on the ice with him playing you know near 30 minutes tonight i think he's uh he's had a really good start to the season i think those those are big minutes for anybody to be playing so i think he's he's uh, learning how to manage his, and pace himself out there a little bit but at the same time i really like the way he's played for us early on here how special was it, Kurt, to have Jake Neighbors come in into the room and do the starting lineups? And he's, I mean, talk about an ambassador of the game and the program. Jake Neighbors is a great person to have uh, affiliated there. And, and to see him come back when the Blues were in town was, was pretty cool. How, how did that uh, all come together and, and what was that received like? Yeah, you know, Jake's always open to, to doing anything for the, for the team. And, you know, we've been fortunate here in Edmonton with the Oil Kings to have so many so many great people drafted in this organization. And, you know, Jake is, I think from the time he was 16, he was a leader on this team in, in the dressing room and with, you know, the, the his older peers among them. And, uh, you know, but from giving back to, to what the Oil Kings uh um, mean to him. I think that shows kind of with him going in the room and, and wanting to see his old teammates and provide a little bit of a spark that night. But, uh, you know, for a guy that was drafted into the organization and kind of sawed through to have the chance to win a championship next the uh, last season, I mean, uh, he truly exemplifies what, uh, what an oil king is and, uh, you know, somebody that a lot of players on our team now can look up to. No surprise to see Caden Gooley sticking in the NHL. You've got Dylan Gunther picking up his first goal against Ottawa the other night, and Sebastian Kosa still working in the American Hockey League. Is it sort of a proud moment for you? I, I think everybody sort of saw this coming with everybody taking, or all of the players from last year, uh, taking that next step pretty quickly into pro hockey. But, Kurt, I mean, you oversaw the development of these guys, certainly last season, to see so many of them now excelling at the next level. What's that like for you? Well, especially those guys that were here for, for you know, long periods of their career. Um, 
yeah, it's, it, it reaffirms a lot of the things you're doing here as an organization um, are the correct ones. Um, at the end of the day, those are special players. You know, it's, it's getting to work with them. They co- they come here every day and they want to work. They want to get better. You know, they're they're truly playing junior hockey, but they're pro hockey players even before they're drafted in the NHL. And, um, but you know, being able to to have an impact on on them, you know, making it to that next level of pro hockey is. Yeah, it just reaffirms your program and a lot of the beliefs and, and structure that you, you've put in place. So that's really a lot of the things you look back on with those players. And, you know, for some of the players that came in here that, uh, you know, weren't drafted in their organization, but we acquired last year, like the Ghoulies and Pro Cops and Certifs, um, you know, you love to see success for those guys as well. And uh, to have brought them in here and, uh, you know, give them a clear, clear vision on what uh, we had to do as a collective group to win a championship and to see them help us do that and, and be champions themselves. So, yeah, you really want to support those guys and uh, be proud of them moving forward. So what's uh, what's lies ahead here, Kurt? The homestand rolling along. I believe you've got Vancouver and Calgary this week. Uh, yes, we have Vancouver Thursday, Calgary Friday, and then Red Deer on Sunday. So three and four this weekend, and uh, yeah, this a homestand here. And then I know in early November we uh, we head out to um, Saskatchewan for a trip. All right, Kurt. Well, I appreciate you hopping on as always. Uh, thank you so much, and good luck here this week. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Kurt Hill, general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Again, a tough start to the season. One, uh, one, nine, and one through eleven games played. All of their best players are playing pro hockey right now. <laughs> I mean, this is this happens. This is the cycle. But uh, a bit of a down year. A bit of yeah. It's it's a down year. Okay, lots of time for your text, 780-496-0063. When we get back here, we'll press pause one last time on Oilers Now. Oh, man, alive. It's 1.45 in Edmonton. Marfus has texted us, 780-496-0063. He says, although McDavid didn't score in that 6-3 win last night, think about that. 59 times in history, according to Jack Michaels, the Oilers have scored six goals with McDavid in the lineup. And that was the first time that he hasn't factored in. They still get it done against a pretty good Sidney Crosby-led Penguins team. Marfa says, although McDavid didn't score, I think he scored in that little players meeting that was happening in the first intermission. I'm sure he wasn't quiet in there. Go Oilers, says Marfus. I don't know if you need a guy like McDavid stepping up to say things. Evander Kane was asked after the game, who who spoke? And he kind of smiled. You know, they're never going to reveal too much. But he said everybody spoke. There's plenty of verbal leaders in that room. I think you got a team now that has so many players that are in the prime of their career when you think about Kane and Hyman and Nuge and and Dreisaitl and Barry and and McDavid. And there's plenty of people that can and will say things. And it's nice that these Oilers players have garnered say, playoff experience in last year's run, for example, that they can now apply to different situations. Hey, guys, remember what happened against Los Angeles? Here's what we need to do to get ourselves out of it, etc. You know, that's a very superfluous idea of what would go on in a meeting like that, but you got to figure. 
It's all about having the experience to harken back to in the first place. And for so many years, the Oilers did not have that experience. Now they got it. V has texted to say the second period reminded me of Game 3 versus Calgary. Oilers coming in waves. And I don't think that many teams can handle the speed and skill of the Oilers when they play like that. Certainly not. Unless you've got Kale McCarr on the back end, I, I haven't seen anybody that can skate with McDavid. Rick Martell says, uh, Hey, Brendan, I think the team needs an energy-type player who maybe gets the team going with a hit. Also, a few more scrums would help get everybody going. Uh, yeah, actually, that's a great handle. I spoiled it for you, Rick. One, two, three, kid is even better. That's how I want to know you going forward. So please, please continue using that one. Um, yeah, I, listen, if Carson Soucy ends up on the Oilers, to me, that makes this team so much better. But I don't think that management necessarily sees in the immediate short term a need for a big hulking guy that doesn't move the puck as well as somebody that's on the Oilers. The Oilers are constructed to move the puck up from the back end right now, maybe absorb punishment more so than distribute it. But Susie is a game-changing player when I think about someone who's six foot five that can get involved the way Nikita Zadorov gets involved for Calgary. I hate to admit to you that I really like Nikita Zadorov. I'm disappointed he signed in the South. I do see a fit for a player like that on the Oilers, but I don't know that he's going to rotate in every single night. So now you've got to find a guy at a reasonable price point who's also able to sit out every couple of games or what have you, because there is going to be the, the continuous, you know, is it Nima Linen tonight? Is it Ryan Murray? Is it maybe if you get somebody who's a tick above a Carson Susie, then they can fill that role with more certainty. But I think that price point wise, and you got to factor that in, you're not necessarily going to be able to pull one of those upper echelon left defense. I would definitely try and fortify that before playoff time. And I would certainly look hard at Carson Susie if he's going to be available. 7804960063 Stephen from Mill Woods says I agree about Fogel and his work ethic he's good you can tell he wants to play like McDavid and Drysdale at that level I've been a supporter of his great play from the get go McLeod says Stephen is doing really well in addition he has my vote 100% so does Derek Ryan awesome game last night I can see uh, my confidence getting better and better in the team I can see the boys gaining confidence in themselves and I hope they grow says Stephen from Mill Woods yeah I I think that every win every win in an adverse scenario in particular is going to help this team get closer and closer to the end goal Three wins, very tough opponents coming through, but Edmonton should be that tough opponent. I want when St. Louis is sitting there at the start of a homestand for St. Louis to be worried about the fact that Edmonton's coming into town because come hell or high water, you're either going to get berated on the scoreboard or somebody's going to put you on your backside. That's old school hockey to me. That's awesome hockey. Uh, maybe maybe more so on the scoreboard these days, but uh, you know what I mean. And I think Edmonton proved that, uh, well, they can hang with St. Louis. It was one nothing really it, it, it could take a bounce or two and suddenly you've got an entire different hockey game than what we saw on Saturday afternoon and if you did see that game on Saturday afternoon I think the most applicable term is a muddy track 
for an Oilers team that thrives in transition, St. Louis took a lot of that away. So will Edmonton be able to move more through the middle of the ice? I guess we'll have to see how they adapt. Now they've got some film. What St. Louis did to them on Saturday, they can react to it. They won't have the benefit of the last change, so line matching's not going to be in their favor this time around. But overall, overall, I think Edmonton's going to be in pretty good shape. 780-496-0063. Texter says Hyman seems to be a very looked, uh, overlooked commodity. My own opinion, he's been the most consistent oiler in the first six games. Dependable and steady, rarely acknowledged for it. That's from Gill in, uh, in West Edmonton. Honestly, I, I think that's a very good point in terms of him being the most consistently noticeable oiler. He does it in the forecheck, but he's also out there on both special teams units. And then you see him, he leaks in behind the defenders. And I don't see him as a defensive liability. I'd be curious to know what you think, but the breakaways that Hyman has found himself with the last couple of games, he's very alert. And if you've got players like Bouchard and Barry that are looking for him on these stretch passes, yeah, that's that's excellent. He's got the finish to get it done too. And we know he can skate. Good point there made by uh, Gill in the West. Serious question, says a texter. How would the Oil Kings do versus the Brooks Bandits this year? Even the Spruce Grove Saints? Well, we're never going to find out, Bill. So that's an interesting question. <laughs> um, hey, maybe we can put a charity game on it. Alex James has texted Shimmy. There you go, Derek. <laughs> this guy knows. That a boy, Alex. <laughs> Big Rig Al says the Oilers are actually missing Josh Archibald's energy and selfless body contact. He kept people honest. He was willing to throw the body around when he was out there. Of course, he missed most of last season uh, with myocarditis. So it's been a while since we've seen the impact that Archibald can have. But there's there's a lot of Josh Archibalds in the league. All right, I can give that to you. All right, let's go to the injury report then. <laughs> Derek, keep me honest. Yeah, okay, we got an injury report. Yes, we do. Let me quickly punch it up. I know that it's for our friends at James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. Uh, okay, can I stall a little bit longer? Probably not. Let's see. Hockeyreference.com. There's the secret, everybody. There's the Cadbury secret. And uh, I should know this off the top of my head. But I want to be 100% accurate for you here in the final few minutes of Oilers now. So, how's that for a stall job? Dylan Holloway uh, is... Um, healthier than he was before. They were saying at uh, actually Ryan Rashog's Twitter is the place to get that information. But uh, we know that he's suffering from an upper body injury right now. We also know that Dylan Holloway did skate today and is tracking toward a return. So positive sign there. Woodcroft says McDavid looked fine this morning, expects him to play the next game. Woodcroft talking, of course, about the captain and that injury last night. 
We're all over the map here. <laughs> Holloway's upper body injury should, uh, I would think that he factors in sometime in the next couple of games. Vinny DeHarnay out with a hand injury. He's week to week. Oilers have placed Tyler Benson on the injured reserve. He's got a knee injury. Oscar Clefbaum, of course, is on the LTIR with Mike Smith. There you go. That's your injury report late in the game for James H. Brown injury lawyers. Appreciate you, Derek, for keeping everything on track. That's what a good producer does. That's why Bob's, I'm here for you, buddy. That's why Bob's so out of whack all the time, because he doesn't have a good producer most days. <laughs> this day in Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel. This January, join Oilers now on that three-night road trip to Las Vegas. You'll see the Oilers play the Golden Knights. Call New West Travel or visit newwesttravel.com. We'll go back to 1985. Wayne Gretzky, a goal and two assists. The Oilers beat the Flames 5-3 at Northlands. They moved to six. Six and one on the young season. Kevin McClellan, Paul Baxter dropping the gloves in that game. Grant Fear with 26 saves for the win. There's been some comparisons made in the early season. Jack Campbell's play and keeping his team in those high-scoring games with that of Grant Fear, who kept his team in some very high-scoring games. You know, it's not necessarily what the coaches want to see. I also don't suspect we're going to get a very high-scoring game tomorrow night when the Oilers visit St. Louis. Next night in Chicago could be a little different. Yeah, it's the Oilers and Blues. Bob's back tomorrow to set it up. 12 noon live here on Oilers Now. You'll hear from Sportsnet's Mark Spector for Aquarian Renovation. That's tomorrow, though. Tonight, you get Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins from 6 to 8 p.m. You'll hear from Luke Gazdick, former Oiler, and Kelly Rudy from NHL Hockey on Rogers. Up next to Global News, weather traffic update with Raya LaHoo, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, and then 6.30 Chet Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Brendan Escott here. Thank you very much for your contributions on the text line. We'll chat tomorrow.